There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Ben, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. And this week we're doing probably the hardest week of reviews we're going to do. We could probably split this into two episodes and call it fine, but, you know, we'll shove it into one. Is it really harder than the Tales one that we did? Yes. Why? Those were short. These are long. Yes, but there were more of them. And I felt the need to pick and choose. I can't pick and choose here as much as I'd probably like to. Hmm. So we're doing five one-shots today. Yeah, this is really probably the most useless part of season eight. This really shows off the bloat of this season before things start getting a lot more concise. With the exception of one issue, this is the return of a lot of the show writers. So it's like, hey, here's a party happening over here and everyone's invited. You know what? Maybe cut down on the guest list because, Jesus, this is a long season. Wow. It only took four years to complete for one season. Seems a little harsh that they have to cut down on the guest list, but Mm. anyway... We open with our first one-shot, Harmonic Divergence. And if you do a quick Google search, you'll find that I reviewed this issue back when it first came out. But did you call it Harmonic Divergence? I called it Hamonic Divergence. There's a lot of typos in that review. There's a lot of typos in that review. You needed me. (laughs) Apparently, Microsoft Word wasn't working for me back in the day. Microsoft Word doesn't work for you now. I do it. (laughs) I can't afford Microsoft Word. I have to use Google Docs. It's your wife. I can't afford Microsoft Office. What is this world of money? Oh, I miss Office. So I called this issue an atrocity and the worst canonical story ever told. In hindsight, I'd like to call this the second worst canonical story ever told. Him in season seven wins. That's the worst, definitely. You keep forgetting that you also use the word Buffyverse at the end of that review. Like it was Common. a standard word. Eh, why not? The Buffyverse. <laughs> Easy does it. I didn't say it was a good review. Well, I mean, it's not a good review. It's a bad review. It's not a bad review. Oh, wait. Are we are we now reviewing your review, or are we... I'm reviewing my review. I'm saying I wrote a poor review, and this issue is better than my poor review. In any case... This issue, Harmonic Divergence, is written by mostly Buffy writer Jane Espenson. She also did a little bit of work on Firefly, and Memory Serves only one episode of Angel. I also think some Gilmore Girls. I think I saw her name on there. Did you? I, I thought I did, because I've heard her name once or twice. To be fair, she does write the next arc of the comics, which I greatly enjoy. And she did write a few really good episodes over on Buffy, most notably co-writing Conversations with Dead People and Storyteller. Well, look at that. A lot of people do seem to really enjoy Jane Espenson, and I just don't quite click with her sense of humor, and she usually would tend to write some more humorous episodes, for the most part, not entirely. But we open Harmonic Divergence with Harmony. The last time we saw Harmony, she was working as an angel's assistant over in Wolfram and Hart. Somehow she made it out of Los Angeles unscathed. Makes literally zero sense. And she's trying to get into a club where she asks the doorman if he can't let her in because she has such a perky pair of puppies. They're literally Pomeranians, and they're pretty adorable, actually. We're off to a bad start. I really like puppies, but I really don't like anything that just happened there. I just like puppies. You also have to take this in context of the time. This is around the time that Paris Hilton and her dumb like purse dog was a real popular thing, and Harmony is very much playing on the idea of the ditzy Paris Hilton phase. Okay, number one, if I had 
a dog that would fit in a purse. It would literally be with me everywhere that I went. The dog is with me everywhere I go. Yes, but he's half my size, so I can't put him in a purse and carry him around, which is a definite downside. I would do it with the cat if I thought he'd let me. He won't. And number two, watched a lot of Kardashians in my life. Hmm. It's pretty entertaining. Not once. Also TLC. But Harmony and her perky pair are rejected from the door, and she goes and finds Andy Dick in an alley. I still don't know who that is. That's, I'm not, I don't need to get into Andy Dick. But Harmony goes, and she bites Andy Dick and is captured on camera by the paparazzi. And as Harmony is photographed biting Andy Dick, she sees that there's an article about her, which, again, our second terrible pun, the title of said article is, Hot Vamp Gets Taste of A Dick. A period dick. Are you at a loss for words? You know, it's been like 10 years since I reviewed this initially. I'm trying to be nicer to it, but you know what? This is stupid, but it has a long-lasting effect that's still going on in the books today. You're getting all worked up. It's so bad. But it's you know so what? stupid. We're going to move on to better things here in just a minute. Yeah, okay. So... We are finding out that Harmony has set up a particular level of celebrity by being a vampire who will agree to go and bite people, not to kill them, just to give them the thrill of being bitten by a real live vampire. Turns out that MTV loves the idea. But they didn't love the idea of the cartoon show. No, but they do love the idea of Harmony Bites, her very own reality show, much like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which I have watched. Many an episode. This whole issue hurts my soul. And so we find out that Harmony has quite the little celebrity life going on. She's on billboards. She's in People magazine, which is ironic. And I also like to clarify, Harmony is a character I greatly enjoy. Most prominently in the last season of Angel, Harmony came in as his assistant and was very much the character that just called people out at face value because... She didn't socially understand how to not do that. And she was very much Angel Season 1 Cordelia, which was a great character to have introduced into the show, and she added a lot. But Harmony works best as a supporting role and not as a starring role. Because the whole, there are no such thing as bad characters, only bad writers. I disagree. Some characters should not be brought into the spotlight. So we cut over to a girl who... We find out very quickly as a slayer, she has been initiated into a local gang. A lady gang. But she decides to break free from said gang, go off, maybe meet with Buffy. She sees an ad on TV done by Andrew and Fiona, who we haven't actually ever really seen post-Buffy season 7, aside from these commercials where they're doing a silly thing like, Do you notice that you have supernatural powers and break things a lot? Call us! So Andrew goes and finds her and asks if she has heard of the vampires. I will appreciate this. Jane Espenson usually wrote the Jonathan and Andrew stuff. Mm-hmm. And I can't not appreciate Jonathan and Andrew. Andrew's main episode being 716 Storyteller. Great episode. Jane Espenson did it. And it's just she has Andrew's voice down. And I love seeing him be that silly. Let us talk of the vampires. It's pretty great. But unfortunately, said new Slayer girl decides to reject the offer to join Buffy's gang because she's already been part of a gang and didn't like how it went the first time around. 
And so our Slayer girl decides to go and cover up her gang tattoo. She goes to the tattoo parlor. Do you ink I'm sexy? Wait, so you're very against the other puns and things happening in this, but you're okay with the tattoo shop? I can't tell. Look, I'm going to like what I like and dislike what I dislike. I can't tell you what's going to happen. It's just going to be a natural. Okay. I do like, do you ink I'm sexy? And so while our Slayer girl is in the tattoo parlor, in walks... Clem! Clem! I love Clem, but also Harmony and all of her camera crew in her entourage. We haven't seen Clem in forever. But Clem, and Clem is the part of her entourage who's holding her dogs. So Clem, for those who don't remember, is a demon, and his only deal is really that he has super saggy skin and he was like best friends with spike and he liked to eat kittens he kind of looks like if dobby grew up and then had a lot of extra skin but clem does like to eat kittens but in this case he's carrying some dogs so everything's fine but slayer girl finds out that harmony is going to be hosting a party in which they need some extras for her show harmony bites so she makes it into the party and she starts trying to find a stake so that she can kill Harmony. Eventually, so, she breaks off a piece of something. The clapperboard. Is that what that's really called? Yes. And she goes to stake Harmony, and instead, Harmony kills a slayer. What? Yeah, it's a weird moment. Harmony stabs this girl in the chest and then feeds on her. Okay, all kinds of issues here. Harmony, whose most epic battle was a slap fight with Xander in mm-hmm. slow motion, which is hilarious. Yeah. Kills a slayer and then feeds on said slayer, and this makes it on television. The FCC would never allow this. No, they definitely would not. So, Harmony kills this girl with her own stake, and I, I'm trying to decide do you think it's live TV? No, because... that doesn't make, we've never seen a reality show on live TV. Like, but it just seems odd that they were that they'd let this pass, but no, it doesn't make any sense. And because Harmony kills this girl on television. Anderson Cooper interviews her, and somehow slayers are bad and vampires are good. Because this slayer walked into Harmony's house where she wasn't harming anybody. And Harmoning anybody? Hamming. Hamming anybody? Hamming anybody. And so the armed slayer trying to kill the unarmed vampire makes slayers bad, vampires good. Thus ends the first part of this. Well, Andrew is also wearing a t-shirt for Spice World. That's fair. It's not a problem. No, I just want to comment on it. That it's a thing. I don't like this issue. I couldn't tell. So we move on to our next one-shot titled Swell. And Swell is written by Stephen S. Knight. Wow. Is that really how you spell Stephen S. Knight? In my head it was S. Knight was all word, like E-S-T. Anyway. This one focuses on Satsu and Kennedy who are over in Japan. And no one cares. It's not the most important story. I really don't care about Satsu, and she's really not going to play any major role in future Buffy seasons. Part of the growing pains of moving Buffy over to comics is trying to introduce new characters. And do you know how many of them stick? Zero. Good guess. Satsu is one of the main victims of that. I don't think Satsu is a bad character, but at the end of the day, no one cares. Right, I mean... Which is unfortunate. But... We've already had seven seasons with these characters. So to introduce somebody else new in there, they need to be a very dynamic, very interesting, almost standalone character. So we see Satsu working in Japan and Kennedy drops in. And Satsu is really put off by this. They're like, oh, they send the other lesbian slayer to check in on me. 
Yeah, it's just kind of an odd call out. Kennedy is one of the more original slayers. She's certainly more prominent within the series canon. I mean, she played the most significant role in season seven of all the new slayers. Right. And so it is not out of the question for Buffy to have given her a certain level of responsibility within the organization. And as Kennedy explains, she's really just there to do a performance review on Satsu, who has recently taken control of the Japanese group. Since leaving Buffy after their short tryst. They just kind of have a moment where Kennedy's trying to give Satsu life advice, and Satsu's like, I don't feel like taking this right now. Like, Yeah, Kennedy's like, yeah, yeah, we all got the whole deal. You gave Buffy the kiss of true love with your cinnamon lip gloss. Maybe it's time for a new flavor. I think she's literally just talking about lip gloss. What do you think? I think it's about her romantic interests. Hmm, weird. So they find out that this giant demon they've been trying to defeat and finally defeated was in fact there to protect a shipment of... I don't want to say it. I hate saying corny names out loud. Vampy Cat, a plush vampire cat toy. I don't like it. I think it's kind of cute. It's wearing a little vest. So there is a Vampy Cat. Well done. Which is the new Beanie Baby, I guess. If Beanie Babies could come to life in the middle of the night and try and kill you. In the middle of the night, a vampy cat climbs down Satsu's throat and Satsu suddenly becomes heterosexual. And not only that, but she falls very much into gender roles and stereotypes. She starts saying things like, let's go make babies like normal girls our age and let's go do whatever, whatever. And she says this to Kennedy... All respect to Kennedy, because Kennedy is wearing a Watchman tank top. Yes. So good on Kennedy. And Satsu um, fights Kennedy and says, is that all you got, girl liquor? So, you know. Not at all appropriate? Nope, not super. And instead. So Kennedy kicks her in the gut. Kennedy punches her in the face. And then Satsu vomits up this little plush cat. Which begs the question of how that cat fit down her throat in the first place, because it's not a tiny cat. I love these little cats, though. For as much as this is a silly story, I love the cats. He's like, I am discovered, my brothers! Yeah, he's he has a lot of um, enthusiasm. So they cut his head off. Well, what else would you do with a scary, possessed toy cat? I would love him and stroke him, and I would call him George. George. George the kitten? Should we get another kitten? That's an old Looney Did you not get that? That's an old Looney Tunes thing? No, but I think we should get another kitten now. I don't. There's only one. That's enough. Mm. But they go and find the other shipment of vampy cats, which turns out to be, well, this issue was called Swell. There is a swell of them. The okay. line that really redeems this whole issue, there is an army of vampy cats running at Satsu and Kennedy, and they just yell, eat their f***ing ovaries. That middle word in there is bleeped. It's a hashtag percentage ampersand at Ing. ovaries. Hmm. Satsu and Kennedy start to just decapitate all of the little plush toys that they can reach. They punched a lot of stuffed animals. They did. And they, they form into the swell, a massive oversized vampy cat. And it turns out Satsu has commandeered a submarine and the submarine blasts the hell out of this thing. And it's dead. And all the vampy cats died. And Kennedy says that she's going to give Satsu an excellent performance review. Meanwhile, Harmony pops up again, talking to Larry King this time. Harmony decides to bring up the fact that 
This is just another example. While Slayers are bad, they blew up a whole barge of little tiny plush cats. So how terrible are Slayers that they feel so threatened by little tiny plush cats just because they have pointy vampire teeth? Why do we need to blow them up? And Buffy is talking to Satsu and Kennedy. They're like, and she's like, hey, keep an eye on this stuff. Keep it under wraps. Buffy out. And Satsu decides to throw away her lip gloss and says maybe it's time for a new flavor. Ooh, there you go, Satsu. What a issue, I guess. But we're on to the next issue, which is called Predators and Prey. Predators and Prey being written by show writer Drew Z. Greenberg, who is also a writer on one episode of Firefly, and we will get into that. But this is probably my second favorite of this whole one-shot series. No, this one was really good. So the first two were kind of meh. This one is definitely better. This one, we're back to talking about Buffy. Well, more importantly than Buffy, we're here to talk about Andrew. So we're here to talk about Buffy and Andrew. So Andrew shows up into the lair in Scotland one day, and he goes, Hey, guys, remember Simone, that purple mohawked rogue slayer that we keep talking about? We found a way to track one of her... Simone. What was that? This is Michael Jackson, thank you. Oh, okay. We found a way to track one of her little minions. So one of her little minions is over by where Andrew just left in Italy. And Buffy says that her and Andrew can go off all on their own. And Xander is like, you really want to go hang out with Andrew? She's like, yeah, it's fine. And she says it's going to be some bonding time. It's a lot of bonding that they do. And too much bonding. Andrew just goes on these long, geeky diatribes about pop culture and comics and movies and TV. And I caught about 60% of them. But this also adds credence to my theory that this is taking place about 2008 because Andrew does mention that he's a little upset at Heath Ledger. Wow, that's sad. But real. And for his long, geeky diatribes, Buffy finally connects with him over the current James Bond series that may or may not be continuing. Yes, because they both have a great admiration for Daniel Craig. Buffy's like, when he comes out in those like tiny short shorts, and Andrew's like, I have no opinion of this, because Andrew is still super closeted. Poor Andrew. We see a slayer trapped in a pink bubble above a giant spider web of girders and pipes. And just general metal detritus. And the spider is called our Ragna. And the Slayer that's trapped is wearing a David Bowie t-shirt, and I appreciate that about her. But the Slayer that's trapped is also one of Simone's little minions, and so... Can I like her shirt? Sure, you can like her shirt. Look, just because I don't agree with necessarily her politics, I appreciate her taste in music. Well, there you go. So Buffy and Andrew appear, and they're like, we'll save you! But Simone shows up and whacks Andrew in the back of the head, steals the spider, and teleports away. But we find out that Andrew has not been quite so honest with how this Ragna demon came to be. In fact, we find out that Andrew is the one who reverse engineered it. But I mean, that goes back to Andrew's whole character and what he did back when he was a supervillain. He's basically summoning demons. Yes. And this he had a slightly more noble purpose. But in any case, the demon got in the wrong hands. And thus, Andrew's trying to pay the consequences of that. But Simone and the spider disappear. And Buffy tracks them to a remote island where they have taken over entirely. They think they're about to walk to their apparent deaths, where Andrew has to admit everything. 
including that he has met Angel and that he thinks that she totally traded up with Spike and that he is Team Spike. Aw, I like that Andrew finally picked a side. And then he says, also, I know I'm in the minority, but I liked it when you cut your hair. (laughs) Which, no one liked that, Andrew. Well, maybe Andrew did. Good for Andrew. I like that he's being nice. So Buffy and Andrew enter the facility where Simone is holding this demon spider. And Buffy gets into a quick old brawl with Simone. Off to the side, they can see the giant spider demon just kind of waiting for its chance to get back in the action. Buffy and Simone have a pretty epic sword fight. And by epic, you know, it's kind of brief. And all of a sudden... Well, it's a one-shot, so hey. All of a sudden, Buffy cuts down the chandelier and sends it crashing to the ground on top of Simone. And Buffy has Simone at sword's end, where she demands that Andrew comes back to her and they can keep the demon. And this is something I I had to double-check before we recorded. I'm like, this beat feels real familiar. So Buffy, Buffy who hates guns, goes up to Simone with a gun and says, yeah, but she's our witch, so cut her the hell down after cocking it. Wait, nope. That was an episode of Firefly written by Drew Z. Greenberg, and he just uses the exact same beat in this. You're so picky. It's the same. He is literally recycling his own work. It's lazy. So I'm sorry. So Buffy, who hates guns, goes up to Simone, cocks the damn thing, and says, now give me back my nerd. Well, she wants Andrew back. Yeah. And they wanted River back. Yeah. So if you've seen, I think it's episode six of Firefly, Safe, this is literally the exact same beat. It's the big damn heroes moment. Well, he found a style he liked and he went with it. Yeah, apparently he enjoys ripping himself off. So Buffy's there standing with her gun. With it pointing in Simone's face. Yeah, let's talk about all the times that Buffy's had a gun pointed to people. I think we found our one and only. And all of a sudden, Buffy moves her arm and decides to shoot the lock off of the pen that's holding the demon spider back from everybody else. So Buffy, who's never used a gun, is so precise with it that she can shoot a padlock. Yeah, can't you? No. I'm a terrible shot. Are you really? Oh, yeah. I'm sure I am. I've never actually shot. So, yeah, so terrible. Yeah, I'm sure. And as the Ragnus spider attacks everyone, Buffy and Andrew escape, and Buffy says, look, you messed up, but it's fine because you're part of the family. And he's like, really? And that's where it ends. And how. And then speaking of an episode of Firefly called Safe, let's move on to an issue of Buffy called Safe. This one also being probably my favorite from this whole mini arc. Yeah, it's cool because we get to see more of Giles and Faith together. And clearly, they've been a team for a little while. They know each other's strengths and weaknesses. And they find themselves on an island where Faith has staked a vampire and found a potential who has been called ever since Buffy and Willow did their mojo. But she's not a very cooperative slayer. No. In fact, she should be fired. She kind of sucks. Yeah, she tries to like take on demons by herself and just kind of go rogue. And that's not how you work in a team. You can't just go rogue. Unless you're Faith, where you constantly go rogue. Yes, but Faith is kind of a team unto herself. Or if you're Angel and you constantly go rogue. Again, a team unto herself. Or if you're Spike and you constantly go rogue. Spike's his own team. Or if you're Connor and go rogue and then have sex with your dad's love interest. No, that's bad. Bad Connor. Bad Connor. So, Faith and Giles find this girl. She's like, oh my god, I know you. You're Buffy. But is she Buffy? No, she's Faith. She's Faith. And thus, Faith's kind of (laughs) offended here. 
Doesn't and start off on the right foot. So many thuses. Sorry, I didn't even know. Do you know now? No, I still don't. I mean, <laughs> you tell me after, but I don't pay attention while it's happening. But Faith and Giles go off with this girl who says that there is a Slayer Sanctuary. And as they're riding the train onto said sanctuary, they see a bunch of vampires walking around the perimeter of the city. Yeah, it's kind of an eerie moment. But the idea of the Slayer Sanctuary is that all of these girls were chosen against their will. So what happens if you choose to not be chosen? Which is an interesting question. They don't really deal with it a ton. I mean, there were moments with both Buffy and Faith didn't want to do it anymore, but neither of them chose to actively not be Slayers. But they go and they find some previous Watchers, which is kind of surprising because I thought all those guys got blown up. But apparently a few of them weren't at the council at the time of the explosion. Well, there you go. And Jal meets his old friend and well-established character, Duncan. Do we actually know Duncan? No, we do not. Well, there you go. And we're going to know him for a long time. Well-established character. Yes. Lots of foibles, character flaws. But at the end, we kind of root for him. Yeah. Well, rounded, three-dimensional. That's a lie. We're never going to see him again. Spoiler. Meh. This whole show is spoilers. They found out that all of the vampires who are out there on the roads are being kept back because there's a Slayer Sanctuary in the city. And so the vampires know that if they attack, they in turn will be attacked by an unknown number of Slayers who just want to keep the town safe. So that's it's kind of a stalemate. So Faith is like, hey, can I go see the Slayer Sanctuary? And this little old lady brings Faith and this new Slayer over there. And Faith is like, cool, this is 100% a trap. But you know what? I'm ready to kick some ass. And lo and behold, is it a trap? Yeah, it's a trap. Why, yes it is. So Faith goes into this building where she sees the third. And we flash back to one of Faith's earlier times slaying where she was fighting three vampires, killed two of them, and one got away. And this is a callback to something that Faith brought up in season three of Buffy. Continuity! I appreciate it. Right? It's always nice when it works out well. I do really like the art. We haven't mentioned it yet. This whole arc is done by season eight main artist georges genty and he continues to be amazing at what he does yeah it looks great and i love and i brought it up before when he did a younger version of faith i love how he's able to really show the actors at a younger age it happens again here we see young faith who is sometime in season three we see 1998 faith versus 2008 faith they look a lot different i mean it's good they look they look like the same person they just look 2008 Faith looks a world older than... 98 Faith. Yes, which reminds me of 98 Degrees. And so Faith this whole time has been fighting with this demon that has appeared in front of her, saying that it's the one demon that Faith couldn't kill. The one that got away, but not in a romantic sense. The one that got away and then killed a bunch of folk. Yeah, the one that got away and then decided to hide out from, from our intrepid slayers. And we see that Duncan is admitting to Giles the actual Dilio. And Giles just isn't having any of that. He's like, you're sacrificing children to keep the entire town safe. And his old buddy Duncan is like, it's for the best. The vampires are the worst. Do you remember what they did to Jenny Calendar? Yeah, that's a pretty low blow. That is a super low blow. For those who don't remember, Angel snapped her neck and, and then left all these rose petals leading up to Giles' bed. Where Giles thought he was going to get laid, but then it was just the corpse of his dead girlfriend in his bed. Yeah. But but then Giles beat him with a flaming baseball bat. It's a pretty terrible trick to play on him. Trick is kind of a light word. It's a pretty terrible 
thing to do to him. What a goof and a gaff that time he left his dead girlfriend in his bed. So what we come to find out is that in that library, there is just a demon. There are no Slayer girls. And that the townspeople had been feeding their own children to the library monster. Just but they to ran out create of children. the illusion that there were a bunch of slayers there so the vampires would stay out. Yes. And so the idea was that the vampires, in reality, they weren't staying away from the slayers. They were staying away from the... Giant tentacle monster. Giant tentacle monster. So Giles rushes in to save Faith. And Faith ends up killing the thing instead of Giles. And all is right in the world except that now the town is open for a demon attack. Which isn't great. So instead, Faith hands people out some pitchforks and some fire, and she's like, the only lesson is aim for the heart. Let's go to work. I'm kind of impressed with her get up and go attitude. You didn't notice my angel reference? Nope, I did. I was just going to let it lie. All right, I wasn't. And we go into our final one-shot living doll. Definitely one of our weirder ones, because we hop in and we see this little old man who is touching up the face of a porcelain doll that's been cracked, and that face looks very familiar as Dawn. Because it is. Because it is. Now, I don't know if anybody out there has done any sort of gluing or fine arts and crafts like this, but it's incredibly difficult to do what he's trying to do, so... But we see that Dawn's face is cracked as a tiny porcelain doll, and if you're going, what the hell? So, that's was fair. everybody at the time. So Dawn, at this point, has been a giant, and then we've seen her as a centaur, not only in other issues... But in some of these particular one-shots, we see Dawn in the background in her centaur form. And so now all of a sudden she's a porcelain doll in this workshop filled with other porcelain dolls. And this guy is obsessed with her. He's obsessed with making sure that she's safe and with keeping her safe and that he didn't create her and he loves that she has a soul. And no one knows what's happening with Dawn. They don't know where she is. So they are on the hunt. But they do know this has something to do with her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend kenny the thrice wise and so they send in their best man to try and infiltrate kenny the thrice wise stop sending in your best man this already happened in angel and it kind of went poorly spike lost a couple of hands they send in andrew yay andrew where andrew has to act like a douchey frat guy he's like so what's the rent bro he's wearing a backwards baseball cap and kenny has a dark side of the moon poster in the background but Buffy and Xander go to investigate Dawn's disappearance and find her at this... Cabin? Almost? Some kind of cabin in the woods? I've never heard of that You're not before. appreciating any of my puns this episode. I don't really like Cabin in the Woods. It's not my favorite. It's a Joss thing, I know. I like puns. I know. I like puns about things that I like. I like puns that involve cheese. So specific. There's so many of them. Have you never heard them? Give me a cheese pun. Um, What's Gouda with you? Yes, things like that. What's Wensleydale with you? No. Okay. No, you were better with the Gouda. Go back to the Gouda. That was your safe zone. So we find out that Don has tried to escape multiple times from this porcelain... Dollhouse. Bringing it back! Oh my gosh. I was going to say from this porcelain doll restorer. Dollhouse? And come on. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. I was the one who chose to live with this. <laughs> you didn't, dog. Save yourself. He's not going anywhere. Now he's all cuddled under some blankets. 
But we cut over to Andrew, who is setting up totems all around the room, and these totems are just a bunch of Yodas. Because what else would your totem be? Because Dark Horse had the Star Wars contract at this time, so why not? Also, it's just clever. I like it. And Kenny is like, what's up with all these totems that you're setting up? Because, you know, I know Touch About Magic, and there's a bunch of Yoda totems in my room. And so Willow and a bunch of other Slayers step into the action, and using the mystical teleportation grid that Andrew so nicely set up with the Yodas, she manages to bring Andrew and the Yodas and Kenny the Thricewise back to Scotland with them. Kenny the Thricewise immediately turns into a giant weird demon with some tentacles and some weird eyes. Yeah, it's like he has three bulbous eyes, a bunch of, I don't know, blemishy looking skin and a bunch of tentacles. Yeah, it's not great. And he runs away to the woods where Buffy and Xander have to be going to this dollhouse. And Xander is shot in the neck with a bunch of poisonous darts. From other little porcelain dolls. It's a very weird moment. There's a lot of weird toys that turn into terrifying killing things in these books so far. But Buffy goes into the house and as she enters, so does Kenny. And Buffy seems fine with her backup. Yeah, weirdly. Yeah, she's like, all right. Come along, fella. Dawn obviously immediately recognizes Kenny, and she just goes, Kenny, I'm sorry, and all of a sudden, poof, she turns back into her normal human form. It literally says poof. Poof! I like that one. That's my favorite onomatopoeia so far. Poof! And she's back into her normal human form. And she apologizes to Kenny for sleeping with his roommate. And Kenny apologizes for letting her weird transformations get this far. And Kenny leaves, and we never speak of this again. Yep. And Buffy talks to Don, and she's all like, Hey, I'll do anything for you or my sister. Even though you're not part of the sisterhood, you kind of come first. And and Don's like, I scratched one of your Veronica Mars DVDs. And Buffy's like, and I'll kill you. Hey, do you know who I really like in season two for a guest appearance? That Joss Whedon guy when he did some acting. Not that last bit. That last bit's not in this comic. Oh, okay. Just for our listeners at home. So to go along with all of these one-shots, which we are now wrapped up with, we also have a couple of quick short stories. So this first one is called Harmony Laughs, Harmony Loves, and Sometimes Harmony Bites. It's like the visual trailer for Harmony's new TV show. And sometimes Harmony sucks. But in this one, she just bites. And we have pencils here by Frey artist Carl Malone. So we found out that Harmony is trying to get a job, and she's trying to meet some boys. Harmony's trying to get a job within the confines of her reality show where she already has a job, so she's trying to become a bartender. Also, she needs something that she can do at night. What with being a vampire and all. And she gets into a fight with Clem. I kind of like the two of them together. I know. Did they ever meet in real life? Never. Never in the show. Because I can totally see them together in my brain. Yeah, they definitely make sense as like kind of a comedic duo. Clem is pretty charming. And so we find out that they have their own spats. But you know what? At the end of the day, they're still besties. And yeah, that's kind of that one. And then, I don't know. I'm not usually a big fan of short stories. Usually they don't do a lot for anything. Right. And I'm not usually endeared by them. We're just like, woo, that's a thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Harmony goes on the Colbert Report, back when Colbert was doing the whole, like, I'm a hyper-Republican thing, and this is all an act. And, you know, it's just an interview with Colbert. I've never seen the Colbert Report, which is kind of funny. Well, you really can't anymore. 
No, but I've never seen any of the episodes of it. I can't never even watched it. And so he's trying to be all professional with Harmony, and Harmony's just not having it. She's just interrupting him and talking at the wrong times, and it's kind of painful to read. Just and she threatens to kill him and all kinds of fun stuff. And it's, I don't know. So we find out that Harmony has her own magazine that she has go goth to glam and why they hate America, the Slayers. It's pretty cool. And there's an interview with Harmony where she's like, you know, I'm thinking about taking on some dark forces and going to the underground. And this was, of course, on MySpace at the time, so it totally dates this book. And the top three Slayers that are public enemies. We have Buffy, Faith, and Kennedy. And Harmony bringing vampires to kind of the forefront of pop culture is kind of massive. Like, this is still very much a thing. Like, all of this stuff with Harmony carries over for seasons and seasons. Hmm weird all in all it really does some good for the story because like if you're gonna have you know buffy turning her town from an audi to an innie mm-hmm. using faith's term i know that's one of your favorites or angel having movies made about him or buffy being hunted by the government it makes sense that there's a public knowledge about this stuff or even when spike went to go see cirque du soleil in vegas like the stuff is public now and having harmony be the kind of face of that works yeah, because she's young and she's beautiful and she's not really clever enough to use this for her own devices, which is nice. Well, some of this isn't bad. This is some of the serious bloat that season eight feels. Yeah, it's like we were going along with the story and we just kind of stopped it for five issues. Not that they don't intertwine, not that the story doesn't move forward, but... But put this in real time. This is a little much. This is like half a year. Yeah. Where everything just came to a screeching halt. Yeah. So we come to our final short, and it's called Vampy Cat Playfriend. Written by Stephen S. Tonight. Hey, I hear he's going to be doing the sequel to Pacific Rim and took over her show running Daredevil after other Whedon writer Drew Goddard left to go do the Sinister Six movie that never happened. Well, there you go. Also, you know, Angel writer Stephen S. Tonight. I figured. If there was a heavy action episode, it was usually him. He was a very good action guy. We jump all the way to Japan, and we have a little girl who is bawling her eyes out, and it's because her three friends just keep making fun of her for not having a a fidget spinner. If you don't know what a fidget spinner is, I hope people of the future, I hope that fidget spinners become used as the anti-fidget distractors that they're meant to be. You know, this episode's coming out like seven weeks. It's not that far out. I know. Just be nice with the fidget spinners. And she's like... I'm so sad that I don't have friends. Vampy Cat, go kill my friends. And the Vampy Cat rips out all of the intestines. And she's like, yay, we're best friends, Vampy Cat. And then she goes, Sachiko is again happy. Yeah, it's weird. That will kind of do it for all of our one-shots and our short stories. Next week, we're back to more concerted arcs, which is a little bit easier to talk about. Next week, we go back to a fan-favorite character who we haven't seen since season four. Get ready. We're all very excited. Where can you find us? Uh, you can find the show over on editorsnotecomics.com, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Of course, we're over on iTunes. If you could rate, review, subscribe, it would help other people find the show. We're also over on YouTube, and if you enjoy my docile tones, you can find me on the Editor's Note Comics podcast at literally all of those same locations. But say hi to Jared over there. I'm not on that one. Yet. Yet? You want me as a guest third member of your team down here at some point i'll fire his ass and take you on as my co-host poor jared he was here long before me yeah by like a decade yeah or more like 15 i really years. meant in the podcast studio 
But yes, also in your life, you've yeah. had Jared for much longer than you've had me. Like 15 years more. Oh, you should look up and see what anniversary that would be. Podcast anniversary? I don't know. <laughs> in any case, we'll be back next week with... Something under the full moon. Is that really what it's called? It's a werewolf thing. Okay. I wanted to incorporate the term full moon. You've, you've ruined my exit. We'll be back next week with a new arc. Bye.